It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This, my friends, is Access Atlanta. It's a new podcast that shares the best things to do, see, eat, and experience. AJC Access Atlanta is sponsored by Northside Hospital Cancer Institute, built to beat cancer. Hello, Atlanta. Thanks for joining us. I'm Shane Harrison, your host for the AJC's newest podcast, Access Atlanta. Every week, I'll share with you some of the best places to eat, play, and live out loud in the ATL. Of course, we'll tell stories that make our city one of a kind. Here to help me this week is Rodney Ho, our TV and radio blogger. Welcome. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm wonderful. And what did you bring us this week? I am bringing you a man who's been in town, a hometown boy. He is Ryan Cameron. I got to talk to him. Uh, He just left V103 uh, and his radio career after essentially 26 years, his entire life. And uh, he's about as well known as any media personality in this town. yeah, and it was was it a surprise that he left, or is this was sort of expected? Or I mean, he's talked about it. Like he, in the interview, he'll say he talked about it, but did people really believe him? I mean, you kind of expect after twenty six years, which radio personalities ever walk away from their jobs? I mean, usually they have to be sort of shoved out the door. Uh, so it's really a take, he's taking a brave step, and I wanted to sort of explore um, why he made the step to move out of radio into brand marketing. And it's funny, I've known this guy for 16, 17 years, and the longest, and I've worked here at the AJC a total of 19 years, and I've written a million stories. So the longest story I've ever written was a profile of Ryan Cameron in 2004. It was like 80 inches long. And back then, I had four different photographers take pictures of him in four different places. Wow. Those were the days. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, he's an ambitious, hardworking guy, and you'll still hear him on the Hawks games. He's still the PA announcer. He hasn't stopped doing that. Yeah, I mean, this is a big change for radio in Atlanta. Someone who's been around for that long, taking you know, taking his leave of radio. It's it's kind of going to be you know, it's odd to have someone who's been there that long go away. Um, it ha- has to happen sometimes. He's only fifty-two. Yeah, you would expect he could be around, and V one hundred three was willing to take him back. Um, I mean, his. You know, his departure is Frank Ski's gain, essentially. Yeah. yeah. So Frank Ski's back. So. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, Ryan Cameron, I, he's been around for a long time, but he was sort of a pioneer as well in local radio. He was. Uh, he was, you know, the first morning show at Hot, what was then Hot 97. That was the first hip-hop station in Atlanta in 1995. V103 wasn't playing a lot of hip-hop outside of evenings at that point. So this station kind of broke the mold in Atlanta, and he was there. He, he went from V103, where he started as an intern, uh, and moved over to Hot, and and he was their well-established morning guide and helped put Hot on the map, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So now he's doing, you said, brand marketing? What, what is this it's, about? It's called Rock on Tour. Uh, it's a company that um, 
basically, yeah, it's brand strategy for firms like AT&T and Coca-Cola, where they need some ideas basically on how to firm their brand up, as if Coca-Cola needs a, a brand firming or AT&T. I mean, these are well-known brands, but I guess they always need fresh ideas. Yeah. And I think he's a creative guy. He's, you know, the guy who, who founded it worked at the Hawks. Basically, he helped put all the entertainment in during the Hawks games, Peter Sarkoff. And he knew, you know, he sat side by side with Ryan for years. So they know each other really well. And I think he saw something in Ryan. And he decided to give Ryan essentially a business partnership. It's not just an employee hiring, but this gives him an opportunity to share in the profits. So his potential, as he calls it on the show, you'll hear him say yacht dreams. He has <laughs> dreams to make, you know, he makes very good money. He made very good money at V103, but he could potentially make a lot more money. Yeah. And, you know, that's his ambition. More power to him. Obviously not my ambition. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, I mean, you know, people, the, the draw of money is is pretty powerful. I mean, because, you know, he's been in the spotlight. He's he's well known around town to to pull someone away from the, the fame and the power of that uh, must have been quite a draw. Yeah, I think so. I, I agree. I mean, it is a little bit, uh, you know, I'm sure he's used to people recognizing him and they still will. Like I said, he's still going to be doing Hawks games. So he's not out of the picture completely. So I think it, it you know, but he doesn't have to wake up at 430 in the morning either. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's a big plus. Oh, definitely. For every morning show. They never get used to that. I don't think any human being gets used to doing morning show hours. It's yeah. pretty harsh. Yeah. And I mean, he's such a popular guy. I, I imagine if he ever wants to come back to radio, they'll probably welcome him back. That's true. I, I would agree. I mean, it's it's always there for the taking. Um, I don't know. I mean, people who leave radio, some of them do come back. Uh, others don't. I mean, look at Jimmy Barron. I mean, he was, you know, yeah. he's now a, a really successful real estate agent. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people can find other lives. Uh, we all can in mid-career. It can happen. Right. So right. It's, yeah. a, it's a good lesson. And he, he'll, tell, he'll talk about making the junk, that juncture point in terms of how he decided to make this decision. Yeah. Well, so uh, it's... Uh, I guess Brian Cameron leaving left the door open for Frank Ski to come back, which uh, a lot of people really wanted to see. He, um, yeah, I mean, he he uh, he left. He wanted to do syndication in 2012. Didn't happen for him. He went to D.C. for a bit, came back in 2015, found some part-time work at V, and, you know, he waited. He yeah. waited for his opportunity, and uh, here he is. He's back again. Uh, you know, whether that will, whether he'll get the ratings he did back in 2012, we'll have to see. It's five, six years later, people move on. So we'll see whether he can find his audience again. Yeah. Well, V103 is still a very powerful station. They are. Yeah. I mean, they are still the well, even though the competition now is just harsh. I mean, there are so many urban R&B hip hop stations out there. You've got the beat, you've got streets and you know, OG 97.9, the old yeah. school version, you got hot uh, and you got all these R&B stations too, classics and uh, every mix and kiss and match. There's just so many stations. It's hard, but V still is number one. They yeah. still are on the top. They're the big station for yeah. a reason. Well, radio is a pretty fascinating thing, even though, you know, a lot of people complain about, oh yeah, there's, you know, there's not a variety of radio in town. It's like you're missing my things. But, you know, when it comes right down to it, people are still very fascinated by it. Um, on the most part, yeah. I mean, it's not as big as it used to be, but that's the case for virtually any media outlet at yeah. this point. Any any old school media, I mean, we're all competing with new things. Podcasts, for instance. Right. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> so uh, here is uh, Rodney Ho's conversation with Ryan Cameron. 
Hey, this is Rodney Ho uh, with AJC.com. We are doing a uh, podcast uh, with Ryan Cameron, the Atlanta media legend. I don't know if there's that many people in town who are better known than you. I mean, maybe Monica Pearson, maybe Clark Howard. You're up there. You've been around a few years. I mean, to, to mention me with those names, I'm good. I mean, you know, those are people that have, uh, you know, the WSB moniker, you know, from Clark to uh, and. And Monica, both are uh, just really good friends. So if you mention me, now if you throw in Neil Bortz, and I'm I'm really excited. <laughs> <laughs> the man in the RV right I'll now. Tell you right now in, in Naples, living the life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, you are Georgia Radio Hall of Fame inductee. Yeah. You've uh, you've interviewed Barack Obama. You've interviewed pretty much any famous person you named. You probably have, and uh, you've done a lot in radio over the years. And it, this is just an interesting juncture in your life. I mean, we we already kind of. I'm sure anybody listening to this knows your history. You've been you're a hometown boy. Yeah. You started in radio in 91 mm-hmm. as an intern at V103. Exactly. Yeah. To, I mean, to go from, you know, intern to being the sixth morning man to sit in that chair. You know, somebody, I think sometimes when you have a career that that's long in one particular field, you forget about stuff like being the fact that there's not a lot of people that can say that they were, you know, I was number one at nights at V. And then I go to uh, 97.5 and 107.9 and number one in the morning there uh, and then go from that to afternoons and being number one there at V and then going to mornings at V, I mean, and being number one. I think the body of work, whether you're a fan or not, kind of speaks for itself that, you know, people have generally followed me uh, and supported me from from day one. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy about what I was able to leave. I think I left it all on the playing field. I think even I got a call yesterday from George Wallace. Um, the comedian love George who said funny guy what what are you doing are you going across the street are you taking over for Tom or I said no man <laughs> like I, I don't think people understand that part they they think that I'm gonna pop up on another radio station like right. that's I think because everybody's always done that yes they think that you know I, I've kind of like broken the mold of you going to the competitor I was looking at some of the comments on Facebook and I've been at V what 13 years before I left um, I think July 4th is when I landed in that helicopter, so close to almost 13. But somebody said on Facebook, they said, Ryan Cameron's always leaving and coming back. He'll be back. I was like, I was gone 12 years. <laughs> like, like, what are you talking about? He's always leaving and coming back. Like, no, I'm not I'm not leaving and coming back. Well, people have a hard time expecting somebody to change in such a big way because it's such a public job that you've done and they expect you always want a public job in a sense so you always want to be out there and you're obviously you're still going to do the hawks announcing for now right that's still a yeah you know what that's that's another funny thing is that people believe i don't know it's almost like that i was doing the hawks before i came back to v yes because i remember the (laughs) to you you said well he's got to find a job because he's only making 50 dollars a game with the hawks (laughs) Like Rodney, you son of a bitch! But, <laughs> but I mean, that was a long time. Trust me, I wait. I make a whole lot more than fifty dollars. Yeah, I'm sure but but then you were kind of trying to like trying to figure out what I was going to be doing. But I think people they, they they link everything together. Like the Hawks have nothing to do with Intercom, which has nothing to do with the foundation, like the father daughter dance and the health fair. None of those things are going away. Those are still staples in Atlanta. As a matter of fact, the father daughter dance is probably the longest running event here uh for for the community you know what i'm saying so i think that people said they thought i was gonna leave like people oh my god i'm gonna miss you so much i'm like this is the best seat in the nba have the greatest fans their greatest support and i I love basketball and so 
I'm not, I'm good. I'm not going to do Steve Holman and go for like, you know, he's done 3,000 career. Like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah that, that man I'm, is incredible too. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy doing the Hawks thing. I love it. The, uh, well, this is a fascinating juncture point for you. Uh, you know, you've had some family changes as well. And, okay. you know, you're coming up, you know, obviously you had a contract coming up and you easily could have signed up again and stayed mm-hmm. longer. Mm-hmm. Um, but this opportunity came up. Tell us a little bit about how, you know, this even came along. It obviously had some connection with the Hawks here, right? Well, I mean, Peter and I have always worked together and we've kind of laughed at the same jokes for, for many, many years. So when he kind of branched off to start it, uh, to start, you know, the agency. Please tell us how to pronounce it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to mispronounce it. It's It's Rock and Tour. Rock and Tour. Yeah. How people are mispronouncing like it all day, right? Dude, we're going on a rock and tour, man. It's going to rock out. So <laughs> just think rock and tour. Rock and tour. Uh, um, so when, you know, I was kind of. Here's, here's the thing. I think for a lot of people, um, I have been I've been thinking about this for like years. And if you really know your your Ryan Cameron cliff notes, I've always said from the moment I got the job that I didn't plan on staying forever. And I think that was kind of should have been a clue to people. I mean, I've always said that I wanted it to be about uh, an exit strategy and not a succession plan. I mean, I, these are things I've always said right. either in public or on the radio. So I think for a lot of people, they're trying to figure it out. But I've always said that I didn't like I could have stayed in afternoon drive. Right. And just been Gucci. I mean, and and never and could have just done that. But when, you know, they say, well, how, what would you think about hosting the morning show? Because basically when I came, they saying, OK, you were, we're paying you morning show money to have a morning show in the afternoons. I said for me to pass that up as an Atlanta native would have been just ludicrous. So I, I, that was a step out right there because morning radio is totally different than afternoon drive radio where you're kind of like getting off work. It's kind of loosey goosey, just having fun. It's not really too serious as opposed to morning is very structured as what you're trying to do. And, and you got to inform people because basically you're their, their newspaper, even though, you know, people don't use newspapers like they used to. Right. But for me, the transition had been some time in the making. It's just, like it was an opportunity that came um, right before the last contract that uh, it was a very good friend of mine and he is really, really, really smart and really, really, really wealthy. And he um, separate was, from this current. You mean yeah, separate from this okay. presented an opportunity. But some other people who were very well known in um, in corporate America had to sign off on whether or not they were going to join us. And one of them, she was just like, and she's, she's done some really big things since then, uh, decided, you know, she was like, nah, I don't think I want to do that. I don't, I don't think I'm ready to do that. And so without her being the key part, he was like, well, if we can't do it without her. So I came back. So gotcha. this is before. So it's always been really, you know, the next step, because I think for people who don't really, there's only like everybody who's doing the radio right now started off doing interviews on my show, be it right. Ricky Smiley, be it Steve Harvey, be it a lot of these people, except for like, you know, Joyner and then like Russ Parr. I, I think that if you're doing radio, there's not a lot of guys that can go like how Limbaugh does or right. in sports talk. If you can talk about sports, you're going to be 70, 80 years old or, you know, um, the Kimmer. Right. Always the Kimmer. Those, those people can always do that, you <laughs> yes. know, but for in, in, in urban music, it's not a lot of people like that other than like a Donnie Simpson, but still he had to go away and then come back. So it's not like, 
you know, you get to get to retirement age on radio, you know, getting you're not getting to 65. That's just not happening. There's 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 a handful of people you can count them on probably on 10 fingers who are still doing radio, uh, you know, way past, you know, the normal. Whereas if your demographic is if you're outside of your demographic, you're usually not doing the radio in that in that genre anymore. True. And I'm sure at, at your age, and not that you're old in any sense of the word, you're 52, uh, yeah. you've got plenty of years ahead of you. Um, but uh, this opportunity, tell us a little bit about Peter Sorkoff and what he started and what drew you in or how, you know, he'll probably be able really, to tell I, us. It was just, like I said in, in other interviews we've done, yeah. it's just like, I think that if you have a ceiling uh, of what you can do and you're collecting a paycheck, even though it's a very handsome paycheck and a beautiful paycheck, it's just the fact that you have other things that you're trying to accomplish, and for me, and and, and you're always being an employee. I mean, you're, you're and, and I and I and not, but I don't want to knock that no, for people not. because. But what I've learned is that even in this space, and I was at a conference Friday um, for brand innovators, and everybody had gone from something else. It's always a stepping stone. Like they were used to be at this and they used to be at that or they used to be at Coke or they used to be at Home Depot. And it's like today's, you know, modern geniuses in this branding field bounce around. And there's not a lot of people that are doing 20 and 30 years. It's almost like I almost caught my mom. My mom started out at Southern Bell as an operator, like switchboard, you know what I'm saying? Connecting calls. And then she went to uh, Bell South. And it, then it went to AT&T. So for her, it was almost like she only had one job her entire life, even though it was a different company. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I almost caught her, but uh, I wasn't planning on trying to get, you know, a plaque or anything like that. I thought I had pretty much done what I wanted to do, especially since I never thought I would be doing it that long anyway. I mean, right. as an intern, who's going to think, you know? Well, P- Peter was chief what? A content officer with uh, the Hawks? Is Marketing that right? Officer. You have to give you the, the exact title. Yeah, but. Those titles. He was VP of, of all, Master he's, of what he surveyed and uniform changer. And, and you, you've known him for how many years? I mean, you've. I mean, more than five, more five than years. six. It's more than. Yeah. You know, somebody said to me the other day, and I, this, this is why when you're having fun, mm-hmm. like, I, I think this is my 14th season with the Hawks. But I was working the in-game arena stuff since Lenny Wilkins. And I had to go and look it up. That was 2000 when he was coaching. And I have a picture of me and him hosting something. So I've been with the Hawks 18 years. Longer than pretty much anybody else there. Other than Steve Holman. But, yep. and, and the guy who sits next to me, John Darnell. Shout out to John. John has been the only scorekeeper the Hawks have ever had. <laughs> so I didn't you know it's like dude I've been here 18 years doing this because you know I was doing it four years before and if I wouldn't have saw that Lenny Wilkins last year was 2000 I was like man that's a long time yeah so the uh what did he uh I mean when you heard about him starting his own company did it even enter your brain that you might eventually be working for him did that uh, we always knew he was gonna do something you know if, if um you know, I was doing some field producing um, with the Hawks because it would I would cringe when I would watch uh, those little commercials or halftime stuff or where the, the players trying to pitch something and they just and and what it is is that the people who are working on the production side are just trying to get a clean cut and the player is just trying to get out of there and 
a lot of times everybody's just like, okay, you didn't flub it. And they're like, I didn't flub it. Let's move on. And I was kind of like, but when you watched it, it was just like watching paint dry. So Peter started giving me the opportunity to do some some field producing and, and work. Because I've always had a good relationship with the players. It didn't matter if it was Joe Johnson or Josh Smith or Zaza Pachulia or, right. you know, like now, like every player, like Kent Bazemore and Dennis Schroeder, because I, I don't know, we just always have connected on another level. You, they, you may have listened to the show. I mean, I remember um, uh, one player who was like, like a P1. He listened every day. So when I, he would come to the table, he was like, man, you were crazy today. And I was like, dude, weren't you supposed to be at practice? Um, but it was, um, it was an easy thing for me to fit into because I had the relationship. So that kind of got my juices flowing. Like, okay, if I know that I'm having these creative ideas and they're being adopted and implemented, then, you know, there's gotta be another way for this to come about in, in, in the future. And so we started talking about it, you know, but we never thought it would be like this. I mean, when he branched off, he just started getting more and more opportunities with major, major companies and corporations and sports teams. And it was almost like, I don't know, imagine if you have all of these irons in the fire, but it's just you, unless you can clone yourself, there's got to be some things that you can hand off or some things that you can trust. Yeah, he needs people. some help. I mean, who you are, need a team. Who are some of his clients right now? Um, if you look at the brag book or the brag page of, of and it's our clients, Rodney Hope. Fair enough. All right. Uh, <laughs> it's a team. <laughs> it's, a, it's a team. It's a partnership here. I mean, it's everybody from, you know, AT&T to Coca-Cola and the bridge community. I mean, these are all people that aren't going anywhere. You know? You've got so, some interesting sports teams, too. Yeah, got some sports teams some on Australian there. rugby. That's right. Some Australian. <laughs> you know, I'm, keep, I'm, I'm waiting on my, uh, my, uh, my deployment to Australia to, to see how the team is doing over there because, you know, Peter was talking about maybe having an Australian office. And, you know, he's like, hey, if we open up this office in Australia, you know, we may have to go over there for a month. And I was like, oh, okay. Sounds horrible. Yeah, I'm kicking and screaming all the way to paradise. Yeah. The uh, Are you familiar with rugby? Is this a... You know what? I played rugby in, like, I just remember, like, see, I grew up in Cobb County. A lot of people don't understand, like, right. we played rugby. I mean, I know the sports because we played out there, you know, at Nash Middle School and East Cobb and... You know, we, 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 you we never thought to, you would need that knowledge ever again. <laughs> we right? knew how to scrum. We knew what we know. I know what a scrum is. Oh, that's so funny. And uh, and he's got some NFL teams, too. Right. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. A lot of the stuff, I mean, is and, and some baseball stuff, too. I mean, even though it kind of looks like it's sports heavy, it's mm-hmm. so much. And, you know, I, I'll show you around. It's just so much innovation in, in this space for what people are doing or, or what people kind of gravitate to. It's just been fascinating. Like I said, I think the one thing, and, and this is not a diss, but I just think that if you're used to doing something, like I could go out and hang out and party all night and wake up at four right. and still do a morning show. I, 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 I'm, I'm built for that. But in this space, everybody's so freaking smart, man. I mean, it's freaking geniuses in, in these rooms. So, you know, you're going to have to, those brain cells. You need your A game. Trust me, man. They are coming. They're coming back, and I'm like, okay, this is a creative spin and, and a, a good. Um, You've got to come up with great ideas, right? That's really. Yeah, I think you know, but I think it's because it's almost like if if you can com, com, compose a show of, of funny people, uh, funny people make the other person funny. Right. You know what I'm saying? So you say something that makes you laugh, and then you come back with that. It's almost like these ideas are like that. So 
somebody has a great idea and they go, what about this? And they go, what about that? And then it all of a sudden becomes like a, a strategy, you know, as opposed to just one person trying to scratch their head and figure it all out. Because it's also the opposite of that. You say, well, consider this or consider that or, you know, and then you say, okay, well, let's scratch that part. I mean, how is this different from designing a funny morning show when you're trying to come up with great strategy for a, for a corporation or a team? I, I don't know if it, I don't know if it really is any different. I just think that the only thing is, is that you will know, unlike radio, you'll do a bit and you don't know if it goes over or not because people aren't picking up phones and dialing. You know what I'm saying? That's why we do, you know, the new platforms of texting as opposed to like, I always thought it was sort of like a little dated to still be asking for a correct caller because how many times a day do you call somebody? You know, not much anymore, not much anymore. And also you pick up this phone and look at it, I think, on average, 120 times a day. You say, well, if you compared how many times you text somebody to how many times you call somebody, I'm sure it would be astronomical in the, in the difference of yes. the two. So, you know, some of those ideas I thought were just a little bit dated. But you know what? You have to roll with the, the, the leadership that you have. How difficult was it? ultimately to make this decision and, and call it quits on the radio side? You know, I get that question a lot. Yeah, I mean, was, I think, did you lose any sleep or was it a no-brainer decision? I, the last or? week was tough because... Before you announced or... No, no, no. After the I announced, actual I was, last week. The okay. actual last week was probably, was really tough because I, uh, the Hawks had like nine games for the last half of the month. So you're like from January, from the King holiday on, there was right. nine games before the end of the month. And so then doing the morning show, and these were all live broadcast. Right. You know, now a live broadcast is so taxing because it's really interactive. And, I mean, it's, it's like it's almost like a four-hour show, you know, for yeah, real. because you're, you're working even during and commercial And you're working breaks, the crowd. So. And, they, and so I think for me that was really – but as far as, like, the decision, no, I never, I never looked back. Because here's what I, what I told somebody. And I mean, I think, did it take a long time to get to the point where you made the decision or was it, I mean, how much thought involved weighing the two sides? So to speak? Well, I mean, the last contract that was presented, you know, um, was was fine, you know, and the terms were, were fine for, for me if I just wanted to take the money and run. Sure. But I didn't sign it. And I think my birthday came and I always like to wake up on a beach on my birthday, you know. So nice. So I woke up on the beach and I was... You know, Which beach were you at? I was actually, where was I at? I think I was in, in um, Costa Rica. Okay. So I wake up and I do my beach walk and I'm reflecting and, and, and just asking for, you know, the blessings of another year. And usually when I would go off, I would come back and be ready to, all right, I want to do this or something would break. And I was like, man, I wish I was at work. And I just, it wasn't the same feeling. I said, oh, okay, this is... I just remember Kobe Bryant talking about how he knew he didn't want to come back and play basketball, even though he still had the skills. Right. And he's talking about training camp. And that, that just kept that kept resonating in my head. So then the Christmas break came and I was off two whole weeks, you know, because the books are different or whatever. Right. So ratings periods are different. So uh, I was off for two whole weeks. And then I did the peach drop at um, at at, um, at the at the, Woodruff uh, Park. Yeah. Woodruff Park. Yeah. And. The next day, I think the third, I was supposed to come back. And I was like, man, it just didn't, it wasn't doing it. it. I wasn't feeling like I was going to be ready to conquer the world. And I said, wow, this is, 
I think this is the moment. This is time for me. And and I tell you what happened is I had a meeting with with Peter on on the first of January, and I went to my mom, and you know because she lived right down the street with Roswell, and I was like, Mom, I don't think I'm going to keep doing this. And she's like, Are you sure? I said, Yeah, no, I don't. I just don't. I don't think I. I think there's got to be some other stuff. And I told her about the opportunity, and she was like, Wow, that's amazing. So. I was like, but I said, but I'm still looking for confirmation. You know, everybody's like, okay, you make up your mind, but you still want someone, if you're, you know, have spirituality, you're looking for something. So my phone rings. I'm sitting there in my mom's living room in Roswell on New Year's Day, and my phone rings. Okay, I don't recognize the number, but I know it's 404, so I pick it up, and it's my pastor, uh, Dr. Barbara King from Hillside International Chapel. And she's like, hey, Ryan. And I was like, hey, Dr. Barbara. And she was like, I don't know why you were on my mind. She said, but I just, I just had to call you today and just say, you know, uh, somebody just tell me just, you know, and I hadn't, she didn't know about the divorce or anything like that. So I told her, she's like, well, you know, you'll be okay. You know, just keep moving. She said, somebody just told me to tell you global. Now, it was like two camels walked in this room. I mean, for my pastor, who I hadn't talked to, to call me on New Year's Day after leaving a meeting, sitting in my mom's living room, telling me global, which is what this whole thing is, I was done from that point on. There was nothing else I needed to hear. Um, that was the confirmation. I was like, okay, I get it. I understand it. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. So after that point, it was almost like, okay, what do we do next? And how do we, how do we um, you know, use this as an exit strategy? to, uh, you know, kind of tell people what's going on next because they were like, why haven't you? And Norm was like, when are you going to sign? Why haven't you signed? What are you doing? Norm, by the way, is his lovely agent. Norm Shrutt, you know. Great guy. Who's celebrating his 157th birthday today. Seemingly, yeah. He's, he's 85 yeah. or something and still doing it. And, and yeah. so Norm was like, you know, hey. And I was just like, and I told him. And he's like, are you, are you serious? And I was like, yeah. I mean, you, you know, when you talk to him, you yes. see, I mean, how he felt about it. Um, and that was it. And uh, you didn't look back, right? Once the decision was made? Nah, man. When those two camels walked into Roswell Road, I was, I was good. Business partner, uh, that means, what does that exactly mean and for people who aren't business partners? And <laughs> well, I think that if you, if you look at, uh, you know, uh, Deloitte and Touche or a, a, any uh, of the major firms. Law firms. Yeah, I mean, if you're a partner, you get to, you get to share in all of the profits. You know what I'm saying? I think... Uh, as opposed to being a, a, a 1099 or a W-2 employee, you know, a, as great as the company goes is as great as your return is. You know, and I think to me that is, you know, the whole Yacht Dreams concept came from that. It's like, you know, if you have all these aspirations, and so how are you going to, to reach these goals? You have to do something different to get different. And I just knew I wasn't going to be able to do that by still just doing morning radio because I think the opportunities they just weren't available I, we had them i had an, uh, a show once this is before any of the reality shows before any housewives or any of those things so, so these people came from europe and they brought a guest over and they were so like hyped up about the show this is afternoons uh afternoon drive and they were like hey we want to come over and film and use a week's worth of your shows and broadcast it one day in the UK. We think it'll be huge. It'll be international. Well, CBS didn't have any international. I mean, it's, it's always just here. Right. And so 
I think it was like 70 grand they were going to pay me, but it was points on the backside. I mean, it was a whole, it could have been really lucrative for both of them if they had believed in, in that part of it and they just didn't see it. And so when I sit around and, and watch all of these things, I go, they came to us first, you know what I'm saying? And, and we could have did this first, but they just didn't have that vision of what that could have been. Because anytime, if you're in, in, in somebody who's singing is international, then that's obviously going to raise the platform of the radio station. Right. But, you know, they didn't see it. But that was way before the Housewives. So, Well, final question. What do you see going forward for yourself uh, with this new opportunity? Oh, man. I mean, I believe that the, the sky is the limit. You know, I think uh, people have approached me about doing this and doing a podcast and you know, there's been some television opportunities that have been floated in front of me because I guess now the um, the biggest, most coveted demo is a 25, 54-year-old African-American female yes. who has all the money and makes all the decisions and controls all the media. And I've been, you know... Um, I love that demo. They read my blog. Thank you very much. Yeah, I know you do, right? <laughs> I know you do. But I think that um, I still have to, to not look at those because I, I think for me there's a lot of people that are are depending on me to to be successful in this field because I have to be encouraging of them to step out as well and not on faith because you know we had a ton of clients so I, I remember having a conversation where they had a staff meeting before I left and and one of the managers was like you know and, and Ryan has stepped out on faith and such and such and such and then I got the floor and I was like well let me correct you on one thing I said I'm not stepping out on faith because this is already established this is not like an idea where you know saying let's see if this works like no this is already it's so much work that you had to build a team around it and I think that's the difference between stepping out on faith and stepping into something that you know is already going to you know be unbelievably successful. I mean, this is the kind of thing that... Hopefully I mean, this is already 18 months old. It's already on... Yeah, I mean, we could be on the cover of Forbes magazine here any 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 month now. That's the way I feel. So to, so to answer your question, this, the sky's the limit, you know, is hashtag yacht dreams for, uh, for myself and for anybody that's kind of on the fence and on the bubble. I, I posted something yesterday. I mean, look, I, I have a, um, an app that I launched. Are you, have you have you downloaded my app yet, Rodney Ho? I bet I have not. I bet you're, you have not. You're going to shame me for not. That's doing right. It. That's right. All your all your blogger readers. So the Ryan Cameron app on iOS and, and on uh, Google Play already has twenty thousand downloads in like three weeks. So that means that obviously people are are riding with me. You know what I'm saying? So for me to be able to use those platforms to get my message out and also to say this is what I'm doing and I'm not moving. But also to encourage people, you know, there's a cam chat where I go on and I actually chat with with people and they have questions like to me, it's all about really just encouraging people to 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 be ready to make the next step. And going back to my point was I posted something. If you if you're waiting for the right time, you'll never have the right time because you're going to say, well, not yet, not yet, not yet. It's so always a reason it, not to do something. It's all, yeah, yeah, it's always a reason not to do it. And then the next thing you know, it's like I should have, could have, would have. And, you know, that's not what life is about. It's about making the best life and, and living your best life right now. You're not big on regrets, right? It's No, man. Our rearview mirrors are for cars. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're looking forward and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see you doing some great things going oh, yeah. forward. Yeah. And I appreciate your support, too. You know, um, you know, with all of this stuff, I, I think that for a lot of people, they're trying to still figure it out. No, it's exciting. I mean, a lot of radio people have tried to 
go out and a few have succeeded. I mean, Jimmy Barron is now a hugely successful real estate yeah, person. Yeah. So it, it can happen, you know. And, it, and I mean, that's totally opposite. Yeah. But you say you look at the, the fact that he used his fans and his and his fan base, people who really liked him because Jimmy's likable. I'm sure he's yes. he's able to, to 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 really have a good idea of what product he wants to sell. And I mean, so congratulations to him, you know. And and look at um, Steve Barnes and his and stuff he was doing. Oh, his the drone stuff. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, people, radio people are talented, man. You yes. just got to get outside of radio, you know. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, and uh, good luck with uh, your future endeavors. And thank you. We're here with uh, this is Rodney Ho with HSC.com and the Access Atlanta podcast. Thanks. Let's see what's happening in and around Atlanta over the next ten days. If the season has you itching to get outside. Just east of Atlanta, the Conyers Cherry Blossom Festival welcomes both spring and the blooming of the cherry trees. The festival, which marks its 37th year in 2018, originated as a way to encourage cultural understanding and friendship through international music, dance, games, food, and crafts. The festival happens at the International Horse Park, which was built for the 1996 Olympics. The fest offers multiple stages of continuous entertainment, hundreds of arts and crafts booths, various children's activities, and food courts. For five of the last ten years, the Conyers Cherry Blossom Festival was named a Top 20 event in the Southeast by the Southeast Tourism Society. The fun goes from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. daily on March 24th and 25th. It's a free event, but there's a $5 charge for one day of parking or just pay $8 for parking if you plan to attend both days of the festival. You'll find all the details at georgiahorsepark.com. Celebrating David Bowie is a global concert series of David Bowie music created and produced by Angelo Bundini, featuring a rotating cast of former Bowie band members and a massive ensemble of top recording and touring musicians from all around the world. It's been going since January of 2016. The lineup for the show that plays Atlanta's Buckhead Theater on March 18th includes a couple of musicians who were very much associated with Bowie. Mike Garson was hired to play with the band for the American dates of the 1972 Ziggy Stardust tour, but he would go on to be an important part of Bowie's recorded catalog, too. Garson's piano is such a distinctive presence on the 1973 album Aladdin Sane, especially on the track Time. He played with Bowie on the next several albums, including Diamond Dogs and Young Americans. And Garson was also on stage for Bowie's very last live appearance ever, aside from a brief moment introducing Ricky Gervais a few months later. That was at a benefit in 2006. Another longtime Bowie associate, guitarist Earl Slick, is part of the ensemble too. Slick replaced a couple of seemingly irreplaceable guitarists, Mick Ronson, and later, after the Let's Dance album, Stevie Ray Vaughan. The Celebrating David Bowie tour has seen its share of special guests too, including actor Ewan McGregor, who joined the band for a rendition of Heroes in Los Angeles in February. That's Celebrating David Bowie at 8 p.m. March 18th, happening at the Buckhead Theater. Tickets are $36.50, and you can find them at thebuckheadtheateratl.com, that's theater with an R-E, and read more about the project at celebratingdavidbowie.com. The 8th Annual Suwannee American Craft Beer Fest will take place on St. Patrick's Day, Saturday, March 17, 2018, in Town Center Park in Suwannee. The event offers live music, games, local food vendors, and a home brew contest. But the beer tasting is the headliner here. 
The festival attracts people from all over the country by offering samples of more than 350 craft beers. Georgia brewers such as Jekyll Brewing, Creature Comforts, Second Self, Bannon Brewing Company, Scofflaw, Wild Heaven, and Monday Night Brewing will be on hand, along with some further afield, like Petaluma, California's Lagunitas, Kalamazoo, Michigan's Bell's Brewery, Clown Shoes from Massachusetts, and San Francisco's 21st Amendment. Heller High Watermelon, made by 21st Amendment, is one of my favorite summer beers. It's really awesome. Give it a shot. They also offer a VIP experience, which includes early entry and some rare and limited edition beers, but that's sold out already this year. So keep it in mind for next year and get those tickets early. The whole event benefits Cooper's Crew, a Suwannee-based organization that was created in honor of Cooper O'Brien, who lost his battle to a rare form of cancer called clear cell sarcoma at the young age of 14. It funds research and development to find a cure for childhood cancer, and it also provides scholarships for three graduating seniors at North Gwinnett High School each year. That's the Sewanee American Craft Beer Festival, and it runs from 1 to 5 p.m. on Saturday, March 17th. The advance tickets are $55, and you'll pay $60 on the day of the event. Go to SewaneeBeerFestival.com to get tickets and a list of all the brewers. Even if you never saw the stage musical, you've probably seen the movie starring Meryl Streep. And even if you've seen neither, you've heard the music at the heart of Mamma Mia, which is up next at Lawrenceville's Aurora Theater. Those bubbling, bouncing, and sometimes beautifully touching Abitunes are the reason this musical exists. The story... A sweetly sugary tale involves a young girl's quest to find out which of her mother's three long-ago suitors is her father. And it all takes place in the sun-soaked paradise of a Greek island. It's a bit of summery escapism as we enter the early days of spring. Mamma Mia is at Aurora Theater through April 22nd, and the tickets are $40 to $75. And you might want to go ahead and get those, as many of the dates have already sold out. The Aurora Theater's website, auroratheater.com, has tickets and all the details about the show. For more things to do around Metro Atlanta, head to accessatlanta.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith, audio captured by Rodney Ho, podcast edited by Ryan Horn, music by Bo Emerson and Billy Guin, and I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta. AJC Access Atlanta is sponsored by Northside Hospital Cancer Institute, built to beat cancer.